Hey, sisters, welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry, and I am so excited to bring you yet another episode that I know is going to resonate with your heart. Uh, Before we do that, though, let me first give acknowledgement and thanks to my friend Derek Kretzer. And that's the music that you're hearing in the background right now. You can check him out at DerekKretzerMusic.com. And all of his links will be included in the show notes. Today, y'all, I have a friend, Carissa Martin, who is literally living out a two-decade-long vision, (laughs) a vision that she was given two decades ago, and it is just now coming to fruition. And, um, you know, she speaks the biggest truth to us. She says, vision takes time. So listen, if you're in a place today where you are waiting for something to come to fruition, this is an episode for you. So lean in, open up your heart, open up your ears, and get ready to be served and blessed by my friend Carissa Martin with Monarch's Way. Good morning, Carissa. Thank you for joining me on the show. Good morning. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, I am so excited. I, You know, <laughs> this is... It's incredible. I laugh because it's so phenomenal. And I know you have a phenomenal story to share with us today, but I have been connected because of this podcast with so many remarkable women like you and um, not remarkable in our own rights, obviously, but remarkable in the way that we're walking in our purpose and and walking um, in the vision that God's instilled in our hearts. And so I'm just so thrilled that I came across you through my aunt Ruth. Right. <laughs> yeah. She, she's like, I think it was around, it was around Christmas time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was around Christmas and she's like, Hey, do you want to go meet Carissa? And I'm like, well, yeah, let's go do it. And so we got to tour your facility. And so I am just going to, you don't need to dive into talking about Monarch's Way. I know we're going to talk about that briefly, but I, you know, I want to share you with the listeners. So can you tell us a little bit about you, who you are? Wow, sure. Um, Well, I am a wife. I've been married for 30 years. Sometimes when I say that, I'm like, like how how 30 is a long time. I barely am 30 years old, huh? Yeah, <laughs> right. I have three grown children. Um, my son's been married about a year and a half. My daughter just got married in January. Wow. And just, that's a whole new stage season for me. And then uh, my youngest son is actually engaged to be married in June of 2020. So I'm, I'm quickly approaching that empty nest syndrome that people talk about. But it's yeah. beautiful to have family, you know, people ask how I'm doing with all of that. And it's more like, I love my kids. And uh, you feel like they love you when they come back. You know, I think you've done well when they want to come home and uh, spend time with you. So I feel good. Yeah. So So, are they staying in the area? They are there. My daughter's maybe about 35 minutes away. But that to me, that's still really close because she had lived first in New York City. So (laughs) that's a difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, we live in a time where uh, families are uh, so geographically fractured that um, it's very difficult to experience that closeness and that connection. I mean, you can, you know, you can stay in touch with texts and Facebook and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, my brother and sister-in-law and their three kids, they live in Connecticut. Wow. I, maybe, I maybe see them twice a year, maybe talk to them. I don't know, every month or so. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So I love that your family is close to you and they're, they're staying close. I remember my mom once said to me, she's like, I know my daughter will never move far away from me. And I was like, no pressure there, mom. Right. She was just speaking that into existence. She was working on you. (laughs) Right, right, right. Thank God for anyway. that we can FaceTime or, you know, Snapchat those things and and stay connected as a family. We have a family Snapchat. Um, And so kind of where everybody, yeah, we're all linked together. And so, you know, my son just went to uh, an event and he, you know, he's on the West Coast and he was sending us snaps of what he was doing. And everybody just kind of pops in just a, you know, a quick little blurb about where they're at or what they're doing. It really is sweet. Really is sweet. That is a a great idea. Yeah, it's important, I think, to find ways like that to stay connected because letting mm-hmm. relationships slip away or not connect is is way too easy in the busyness in the world that we live in today, right? So true. So true. So um I wanna I, I wanna dive right in because I know you've got an incredible story to share. And actually I don't know if you took a listen to um uh, the first episode, I don't remember what number it is of season two, but with Rachel Pye Jones. So she, okay. So it was a great story and her story reminded me a little bit of you, but she talked about kind of following this, um, not even circuitous route, but just kind of very snaky route to, to finally living in there vision and purpose almost unexpectedly. Like it just, um, it was a really beautiful story, but that her and her husband moved from Minneapolis to, to uh, Somaliland in Africa with toddlers and anyway, and now they're doing what they love to do like 15 years later. And that's not what they sought out to do. It's what they had always had a vision of doing, but it's not what they sought out to do. They just were walking in the story where God had them at the moment. So I think if I'm not mistaken, you can relate to that walking yeah. in your story right where God has you. So where do you want to start off with that? Oh, I don't, well, I will say the journey never looks. I found this little comic once that was like, you know, my plan. And it was like this person, it was like this straight line to God's, like the, yeah, the yeah, God's yeah. vision. And then it was like God's plan. And it was the ups and the downs and the valleys and the mud, you know, the mud curly cues. Yeah, yeah. All those things. And, you know, we have, you know, for me, um, I had this encounter with the Lord uh, 19 going on 20 years ago. And, I was very new to that kind of vision or anything. And I really thought this could possibly happen tomorrow or, you know, <laughs> at, at minimum so, a year from now. But, you know, you look at characters through, you know, people in the our, the Bible and, you know, I have to tell myself I'm in good company more. You know, Moses right. was 40 years on the backside of a desert. Then he wandered for 40 years and um, right. Zachariah, you know, waiting for the promise. But um, I'd love to say I want to be like Nehemiah, what it was like 57 days when he built the wall. But oh, that's not right. where I'm at. <laughs> All right. Let's get to it, God. Let's yeah. get to it. <laughs> that's, right. my, that's what I well, like, but he doesn't do it always that way. No, no, it's not. And I think it's, um, you know, for those of us who have that, that trust and that um, belief that all of the things in our life are working towards the plans that he, he's already established for us, it's, it's, it's not easy. Just because we believe that doesn't mean it's easy right. in the process. Um, so can you walk us back to, you had this encounter, you said about 20 years ago. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, a lot of women listening, 
they don't even know what that looks like, what an encounter looks like. And it, and I know that it probably looks different for everybody um, when God chooses to speak to them. But for you, can you tell us what that encounter was like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I was in St. Louis at a conference and, you know, it just proves how, how God's willing to work with us in any you know, attitude we might be in, but I was at this conference right. and had speakers there that I really hadn't intended this. So they announced this lady. She's not who I intended, never heard of her. She's walking across the stage. I'm even like, that's a beautiful blue jacket. I'm going to have a jacket. Like that's the the flesh I was in. I'm going to have a jacket like that someday. And instantly, <laughs> you can't set this stuff up. God just instantly I'm in this encounter and I don't know how to say it any other way. Like other than like a Moses burning bush moment, like I'm in this encounter mm. where I hear I like, and I can't say audible, but I'm in like another place. And the okay. Lord says, that is not all that you will have like her someday. You will have a home for troubled wow. teenage girls. And wow. it became like this interactive conversation. And he, and I was like, like kind of like me. And, and he began to show me, I felt like I had these little glimpses of things that I'd always had this dream, like our thoughts that I would like to, I wanted my home to be a place where all the kids wanted to come or, and I actually okay. saw this place that had like beds and schoolwork. Like those, those were things I knew, but, and I felt like the Lord was saying like, these are things that I've planted inside of you. I've put these seeds yeah, inside yeah. of you from the beginning. Um, and then, you know, my question was kind of like, well, where would that even be? And there was a, a huge mansion that had been built in 1995 um, nearby. And uh, he said, no one understands, which is true, uh, was true at that time. No one understands why Mr. Wisher built this property, but it is okay. for you in this ministry. When did you hear that? That's all in ago? that original encounter. It, like um, well, October would have been 19 years ago. So I'm working on the 20th year. <laughs> this you know, looks so like <laughs> the stuff of movies. Okay. Right? I mean, we, we know that we know that the climax of the movie, the listeners don't yet, but y'all get ready. This is a ride. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I don't, I tell my husband and maybe a couple of people, cause this is pretty crazy. And I mean, I'm like, this was, uh, anyhow, I just don't tell a lot of people and then gradually I do, but um, I, I eventually stop at this, the man's house. Cause we drive by it so often. And, um, I asked so him, they were living, they were living, him there. And his wife were living there. He built it when he was 79 years old. This is so, a, like okay. over 7,000 square foot. And that does, that's only the finished space. It has a complete huge wow. attic. It has a basement that's not fixed up yet with eight more rooms, which will eventually move to our, move our classrooms and we'll really call it ground floor. But, um, it so has wait, no wait, 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 don't give it away. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. Okay. okay. 7,000 square feet of finished space, which does not include the attic or the basement. Right. This place sounds massive. Eight big, four big, beautiful columns in the front, four huge columns in the back, um, wow. a wraparound porch all the way around. Um, the second level that is finished, um, all hardwood floors, solid yeah. mahogany doors. The top, wow. that level is kind of like a beautiful dorm hall. It's seven big mm. bedrooms uh, and space that go out, it goes over, out over a balcony with really our two libraries we're putting on that level as well. It's beautiful. Okay. Take us back. <laughs> you go to this house. Yeah. So I, I stop and I just say, Hey, um, can I take a picture? I'm very visual. So I wanted it with me all the time. And like, can I take a picture? I really believe someday when you're finished with this property, um, that it'll be a home for troubled teenage girls. And he's like, sure. Did he look at you like you had 10 heads? Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, I take the picture and actually I went home then. I did two things. I wrote to a ministry that I really, admi- this lady who had walked across the stage that I didn't know. And I've learned to ad- so admire who they are and what they do. Uh, Mercy Multiplied is the name of that organization. Okay. Nancy Alcorn was the lady who walked across the stage. Um but anyhow, I wrote her, wrote them a letter asking just for information and, and, you know, kind of a little direction. And I wrote Mr. Wishard a letter and he called me. So I explained the vision and the, de- the dream a little more in detail to him. He calls me and he says, I want you to come see the house. It'll take you a million dollars to get it, but I want you to see it. <laughs> okay. All right. Said, wow. yeah. Now, That's- wait a second. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. What was going through your mind when, okay. I just have to take us two steps back because you're hitting on some things that are really critical here. So one of those is, you know, there's something to be said for having an encounter. There's something to be said for having a belief planted um, in our minds, in our thoughts, little beliefs over time, little nuggets, like you said that you received over time. There's something to that first. So that's the first step. All these little seeds that are being planted. Then you have this encounter where you feel like it all culminates into, aha, That's there's your aha moment. Like this is what it's going to be, right? But then you did something else. You didn't just hear that. It sounds to me, Carissa, like you believed it. Yeah. Well, this was so real. What I experienced. So I experienced the Lord a lot in like by my gut. Like I just know this is the thing to do. Uh We talked about and do this. This was not like that. And the way okay. that this encounter happened for me, um, I think is, is a little more rare, but it, it was so real that I couldn't not believe it. Do you know what I'm mm. saying? Like it was yeah. so real and tangible and it was like having this conversation with you. It's like, it, it's wow. that real that there's no way I couldn't believe it didn't happen. Now, did I have like uh, me and how and all of that? Sure. Right, right, right. Yes. But like, it has to happen. And so, and I'll tell you. Wow. So you just walked forward with, con- I mean, you walked forward with such confidence that you just started doing, you started investigating. You didn't just, here's, here's the thing. Here's the truth that you're talking about. You didn't step back and say, okay, great. You promised that to me. I'm going to wait for you to deliver it. You actually went and you started doing the research. You started just exploring Yes, not just the possibility, but like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start figuring this out. Yeah. Um, and I would say that was first steps. There was definitely a season where I was like, I don't want to make this happen. It kind of took my hands off, but yes, absolutely. And I, I don't know if that was a gift of faith or crazy, but I just thought <laughs> this is what God said and I have to make it happen. I am kind of a go-getter. And so, um, I just thought, but I think for me, I didn't realize that, um, vision takes time. Yeah. And I didn't understand that what God, the seed that the reality that God planted in my heart was going to take years. And I'm thankful for those years today. And I know, and there was so much development, so much that was, I would say, brought to the surface in my life. So many ways yeah. that I grew. And I, honestly, and jumping ahead for a period of time, this died within me. I did another business adventure. I, it, it failed. I felt like I had a complete life failure in the middle and yet God just kept drawing me out and he just wouldn't let that seed died, but that's when it truly then became life. Wow. And um, so it has been a journey. It, it really has. And it's not. So the faith that I began with certainly had its moments in the middle. Um, yeah. So, and I want to get to that. So, but for the women listening <laughs> that, the, and this is, you're not at the end, 
for sure. No, no. But for the women listening, um, Carissa, you and your organization now own we do. this massive property that you're talking about yeah. that that you believed and that God said to you over tw- almost 20 years ago was going to be yours for a home for troubled teen girls. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. So the list, this is like happy ending listeners. Like <laughs> this is good stuff. And it's true stuff because Carissa just said two decades. She said the truth that I wrote down, vision takes time. Right. And I know we want it now. We want it now. We want it now. We want it now. We want to lose 20 pounds now. We want to have the, you know, fancy car now. We want to have the vision now, but it takes time. So I want to dive into that a little bit so that we can understand some of the thought struggles and triumphs that you had throughout that process. So I want to take you back to, okay. Yeah, you you went ahead and you you started to investigate and you started to make relationships with people and build connections with people and and um, come across people that would help you to establish this vision, right? Yeah. Now, can you can you tell us at what point over the last twenty years you said that the vision died for you? At some point, can you share with us what led up to that? What was happening for you? at the time and um, kind of the, the thought struggles that you had. Yeah. Well, I actually had started, can I just back up one more step, but I had started spending time with Mr. Wisher. I felt like God wanted Mm -hmm. his heart to be the first that was healed in that home. So I committed for probably a year or or more that about once a week or so I would go over and I just spent time with him. I shared the gospel, but I would, if he was dusting his antiques, I was dusting his antiques. If he was painting the porch, I was painting the porch and I just committed to spend time with them. Um, and part of the, then, you know, we really couldn't come to a, a, an agreement about the price of the house or what that looked like. And I really felt like I felt like this was going to somehow be given or I don't know. I just was believing for a bigger miracle than me coming up with a million dollars. That really yeah. would have been a miracle. Um, anyhow, but <laughs> then he ends up um, he passes away and his wife passes away and um his son, basically, who's no longer living um, today either, but he had, I met with him then and I, you know, kind of, he goes, I know, kind of like, I know what you want. And I think he felt like I was trying to steal his inheritance. And, and that really wasn't my heart at all. I was just pursuing what I felt God had me right. pursue. But he basically right. said, you'll never have this house. Oh, wow. Um, destroy stuff. You'll never have this house. And so first comes the discouragement, right? That yep. It's like, and then comes the be- the belief it's almost like, I wonder for you, when the discouragement came from his son, like you're never going to get this place. Did you start to believe that? Did you start to forget what you had believed so profoundly many years prior? Um, I think I struggled with the reality of like, was it really going to happen? And how is it going to happen? And we certainly grew so much through it. I God gave me this vision unless I surround myself with people that are wiser than me, smarter than me, have gifts and talents that I don't have, I will keep his vision small and in a box. The only way. And and you'll keep it from succeeding. Because then it's about me and this, my vision. And I want it to be about kingdom and, you know, us Mm -hmm. coming together in partnership and healing um, and offering hope to God's girls. 
So I think that's really beautiful, Carissa. And we have a lot of women listening who I would imagine don't know what you're talking about. When you say you want it to be about kingdom, what does that mean to you? And 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 help help us and the listeners understand what that means for you and what that looks yeah. like. Uh, well, so I, I think this has to be, God designed family in the beginning. Adam and Eve were to multiply, mm-hmm. be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth kind of thing. And it's about family and relationship. And kingdom is about us fulfilling a purpose together. Not, mm. not as like, oh, here's somebody who has this big vision and she's super qualified because I am not. Um, yeah. But kingdom is when all of God's people, when God's people come together, like-mindedness. Now there'll be other people coming together that aren't, aren't sure this at all, but these, this, this, what we're doing takes a, a group of people. It takes a, a body. It takes a family. And to me, that's kingdom. When G- in John 17, Jesus prayed, um, you know, to the father and he said, make, make us one, make them one. Like mm. you and I are one. And to me, mm-hmm. it kingdom is that unity of the spirit. We're coming together for a common cause, a common yeah. good and right. fulfilling his plan to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, yeah. to offer hope. And we can do that individually, but kingdom is when we're doing it corporately together um, right. in an in a, in a impactful way where we're literally impacting culture. I think that's, yeah, I think that's so special, so true, so beautiful, because um, we live in a cutthroat world. Um, we live in a world where the phrase self-made man or self-made woman is uh, very often tossed about, which is just a downright lie. Because the truth is, even if you believe that, you know, if you believe that you're a self-made person, the truth is everything happens in concert. Everything it's, it's like literally like sometimes I picture God like yes, leading like, an orchestra, doing, you know, conducting the symphony. Yes. Right. Like, oh, oh, now it's your turn. Oh, now it's your turn. You do this. Right. Whether or not we acknowledge that doesn't really change the fact that that's what he's right. doing. And um, so I love the fact that you're bringing to light. I just recorded another podcast episode with a woman that talked about the same mm. thing that um, if you are in a group of people where you're and I, I don't say this egotistically, but if you're in a group of people where you you believe you're the smartest, you have the biggest vision, you know what what's going on, then you're in the wrong right. group. You need to be in the group of people where you feel like, man, no, I, I, I don't know anything. I right, I got, I can't figure this stuff out. So you have to put yourself in a place and surround yourself. I love this with family, and family does not mean blood family. It means people who are drawn to this vision with you, who come into your path that can add a piece, add a facet that you would not otherwise have ever even considered maybe that's going to make it the big grand vision that it's supposed to be. Right. So tell us, uh, I want to, I want to get to that vision. So why, what, what do you mean by troubled teen girls and why are they important to you? Yeah. So troubled teen girls, really anyone who's struggling, uh, struggling. And the big p- difference about our program is the fact that we're an at will program. So it's a girl who realizes, look, I'm, I'm, I need out of the situation that I'm in. And it can be, it could be self harm. It could be, uh, eating disorder. It could be, um, 
Oh, even trafficking, like we'll, we'll be a second stop. We're not a rescue house facility, but we, we are a second stop for that girl who needs a place for hope and healing. So really, it's like stunting your growth, stunting you walking Uh in the fullness of your design. We want to remove the barriers and allow people Mm. to grab a hold of the hope that is, was put in them before the foundation of the world and to walk in it, to become that. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love this. I just like, I have chills because man, I have such a passion. The reason Carissa that I, um, God has given me a passion for women to share the truth with women because we are, and this is not egotistical. This is by design. We are, we have the influence to change the world. We change our significant others. We change our children. Uh, You know, we influence them, right? Mm -hmm. We, we, we influence our friends. We influence, we influence consumer uh, stuff. We influence shopping. We influence where people eat, what people wear. I mean, we we have such a, yes, we have such a powerful voice. And so that's why I target women because women are the ones raising these girls that we're talking about. And very often, you know, it's not about raising your daughter or your son wrong. It's about if you can get this for you, that you have a hope that you can walk in. If you can get that for you, that's when you can start influencing and changing the world around you. It's contagious. It is contagious. So let me, let me, um, just get some clarification for you. So when you say that, um, this home that you are establishing, that you're building, uh, this vision is for troubled teen girls and it's a second stop, not a first stop. What does that mean? Because I imagine some of the women listening are going, Hmm, I wonder if that would be a good fit for my daughter or for my, uh, sister's daughter or for my friend's daughter. So particularly that that comment was related to trafficking. So, um, you know, right in, in the United States, the average age of a, a trafficked girl is 12 to 16 years old. It just, mm. um, so anyhow, a girl rescued out of trafficking will need to go through a kind of a first level rescue program, but then often there's not mm-hmm. a good place. Uh, there's a low percentage of bed. Well, we'll just say like beds available for that girl, housing available for that girl. And after yes, that, and sometimes going back home isn't the answer. Um, so that's like, to me, Carissa, that sounds like the equivalent of, okay, I'm addicted to drugs. I know I need help. So I go to a 28 day, 30 day rehab and then nothing. So this is, this is the next level of let me solidify that and walk. Okay. It's really our hope that a girl will come and stay in our program for at least a year. And, and I don't know if, you know, people who go to counseling, they'll go for a few times and they'll be like, oh, I feel better. And they miss that next Uh point and don't go back anymore. Um, You know, we get a little bit of pressure relieved off of us and we think we're okay. But our program is really set up so that uh, we don't just give a girl the tools to get free, but we want her to stay free. I think relapse is a really tough thing when you when you falter and then there's nobody around you to help pick you back up. And so we want to actually set up situations. Our girls will go on missions trips. They'll have these opportunities to really practice the things that they're learning. And one of the things even about that missions trip is just the fact and, you know, uh, really the fact that if she's putting these things into practice and they don't go well, we're still with her. 
and we can right. help. We want right. her to learn through her successes and failures. Sometimes we just think, oh, you've got to succeed, but that's not succeed, 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 but that's not life. We really do grow through right. the fact I just blew it. And helping girls to understand, okay, you just, you blew it. You had the opportunity, you blew it. And now what? How do you pick yourself back up? And how do you bounce yeah, back? You yeah. know, that bounce, we got to uh, decrease that bounce back time or increase it, whichever way you want to look yes. at it, but that we don't stay in the pit forever. You know, we just don't become yeah. pit dwellers. We get out of there and move forward. Yes. And, and my belief, Carissa, is that the reason the pit throws us off so much is because we don't anticipate it. And that's a lie because the pits are there. The snares are there. The, the, the regressions are there. The relapses are, they're going to come. Yeah. And if you, if, if you just have that belief that I know it's going to happen and here's what I'm going to do when it does happen, such a different mindset than it's not going to happen to me because then I'm just, I've got the rug ripped out right. from underneath me, right? Yeah. So it's learning how to navigate that and realizing, just like you said, it, it's going to happen. But ha- do I have the tools to pick myself up out of that? And often we just don't yeah. even prepare our kids or ourselves, you know, to sure. how to how to be in it, that overcomer. Right. So why are teenage girls so important to you, Carissa? Um. Well, so I had my own struggle um, very uh-huh. young, and I had a was sexually abused at age eleven. Mm. And, um, you know, the people around me didn't know how to handle that. And um, I love them so much. But the kids weren't equipped. They weren't equipped. And I was left to struggle. And, you know, God did some amazing things um, to to bring people around me that that would help. And teachers and different people of, of influence that gave me books or that helped along the way. And my, my parents just simply weren't equipped to handle at that level, all that had taken place. And, um, so, and I've always, I just think it's been in my, it's in my DNA, um, to love, to nurture and to, to, to help. But I certainly had my own experience and then, um, you know, just trying to walk all of that out and realizing the world we live in. So then I, I taught at a private Christian school for a year, for about 12 years, coached volleyball and, and now okay. a counselor um, with teens and their families. And the, the stories I hear are unthinkable. And, you know, they're, they're happening in from of some of the our amazing families to, you know, yep. it, there is no exception. no exception. It's across the board. There is no exception. Uh, trauma does yeah. not discriminate. That's right. It just does not I know. discriminate. Oh, and um, yeah. we need help. And if we can help these girls, I guess that's the thing. I just, when we can remove the trauma, because the trauma, we get stuck. If you don't ever get out rid of the trauma and not figure out how to deal with what actually took place, yeah. you will repeat the yeah. cycle. You will act out That's of right. it and you allow it to be a destructive force in your life till the day you die. And it doesn't have to be that yeah. way. And so I believe yeah, it'll define what you believe yes. about yourself and your worth and yeah. everything and, and what you believe about other people yeah. too, you know? So let me ask you a question, if you'd be willing to share with us a little bit, Carissa, how, how have you worked through your own trauma, your own personal trauma, and how are you taking that and applying that to the vision of Monarch's Way? Yeah, um, wow, so that's, there's so many steps to that, because I wish it was just like one mm-hmm. thing, but for me, it was a pretty long journey. Um, but some yeah. of that was recognizing my own um, 
I'll say personal responsibility because okay, we are, I am not responsible for what happens necessarily to me. Like the fact that I was, you know, that's that, right. That is, was not my fault. No matter if I believed that it was or not, that's not my fault. Right. But I think my real healing began to, uh, when I began to understand how I felt about what yeah. happened to me and what I was going to yeah. do with that made all yes. the difference in the world. Yep. And that's right. I remember when I grabbed a hold of that truth that I'm responsible for how I feel about this. I'm responsible yeah. for how I allow this to continue to affect my life. Am I going to carry it mm-hmm. with me or am I going to overcome it and say, no, you know, that it doesn't, that yeah. that's something that happened to me, but it's not who I am. It doesn't have to define me. It doesn't, it doesn't have to keep causing me to make errors and mistakes. Right. And that was the right. really, you know, long journey um, was, was really recognizing that, but it, well, yeah, and let me let me back up a second because I think um, there's a shift that you made there. When you go through something like that, something happens to you that you don't take responsibility for, nor should you take responsibility for. That somebody else took advantage of you, somebody else hurt you. You you just don't have anything to do with that. That was completely out of yeah. your control. But then there's that initial um, tendency reaction to say man, this is so unfair and so out of my control. Therefore, I I can do nothing. I can do nothing with it. I have no power over it. It was out of my control. I am the way I am because of that. And I know a lot of a lot of women are there. Mm-hmm. They're still there. And and they might even cringe at the idea of personal responsibility. It there might even be like a what what? what are you talking about? I have no personal responsibility. I have no, you know, yeah. uh, skin in the game when it came to this. I had nothing to do with it. I was wronged. It's unjust. It's unfair. What would you say to her? I would say that there's a, there's truth to that. It was wrong. It was unjust. It, it was mm-hmm. unfair and it should never have happened. Yeah. But yeah. what, what are you going to do about it? Like you can either live there in that place. And I never want to diminish or minimize somebody's trauma or experience that they've been through. I mean, some of the stories I hear, I I can't, some, I mean, it it takes time to process through just, and I didn't happen to me. Do you know what I'm saying? So um, like their story. So I don't want to ever diminish that in what I'm saying. I'm just saying when I'm ready to recognize that there's a whole life ahead of me, and am I going mm-hmm. to allow that experience to continue to taint it? Or am I going to process through the discomfort? Am I going to process through yeah. whatever it takes to get beyond it? Because it cannot define me. And right. I don't, right. I don't want it. I didn't, I don't want it to define me. I don't want these experiences yeah. that happen to us to dictate how yeah. we live our lives. There has to, Jesus, yeah. Jesus paid a price for our freedom. And yes. he paid yes. a price for our freedom. And it it's like our gift back to him to walk in the fullness yeah. of the freedom he provided. Of the freedom. Right. And right. Uh, you know, forgiveness, Beautiful. forgiveness was a big part of that. Learning how to forgive yeah. those who had offended me, who had hurt me yeah. along the way. Um, there is such freedom in forgiveness. It's crazy yeah. what it can do to energize you and to recognize that, I can let that go. I don't, I I, I can let it go. 
What about forgiveness of yourself? Is that something that you've had to walk through as well? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> because like I said, what some, there's times when, um, when we have trauma in our lives, it also causes us, or at least opens the door for us to make plenty of yes. other bad choices. That's right. And so that's why that's I say right. with, with, with our ministry is when we can stop, when we can heal the trauma, we can break the cycle of bad choices, that's right. poor choices and things that keep getting us off track. And yeah. so that's the yeah. places I would say I've really had to learn how to forgive myself and say, you know, there's no amount of beating myself up. Um, that's going right. to fix some of the choices mm. and decisions I've made. And you simply have to right. say, God's with me. He's willing to keep walking. Right. He's not just going to end yeah. it today because I did something really stupid. <laughs> he actually, <laughs> enough with yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but he actually really is so amazing at bringing good Romans eight twenty eight that he can take yes. all things and he brings good yes. out of them. Or the fact that, you know, That's Isaiah right. tells us he gives us beauty for ashes. When we can grab a for hold ashes. of these truths yeah. and I can say, okay, I can give all this mm -hmm. junk to him and you really will make something beautiful out of it. Right. Wow. Yeah. And that to me, that's hope for everyone. It's hope for everyone. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So tell us about Monarch's Way. Tell us how, how much space you have. What does an average stay look like in terms of length of time? You know, uh, are you opening up doors for applicants? Tell us about the logistics of it. Yeah. So Monarch's Way is a private Christian residential school for struggling teen girls. Um, we do hope that a girl will stay within our program for a year, we know that every girl's going to come with her own unique story and we will evaluate the, her length of stay based on that. Some girls may need far more than a year and we're okay with that. So each okay. girl gets her own yeah. unique evaluation and, and kind of like what she has to return to. All those things will be taken into consideration. Um, we have, we can go up to 16 girls in this location. Uh, we will start with wow. eight. I believe in excellence and I know that this isn't you know, it's yeah, going to take some, it, it'll take some time. We are doing some unique things that I don't know. I mean, I, I've researched a lot of programs and so I'm trying to take the good and, 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 yeah. and really glean from what's already being done. Um, but uh -huh. so we're starting with eight girls where our goal is to open okay. this fall at the typical school year um, with eight girls okay. in our program. And we have, so it's going to have, there's going to be a, an educational component yes. to it as yes, well yes. as a spiritual and mental and emotional yeah. component. Be, okay. Well, and mainly because the girls we're dealing with ages 11, 17 or through graduation yeah. all need, all need school. And so we really are, yes. you know, a, a school, and, but it was set up yeah. in this family atmosphere. So we have a, um, we have house parents who live in the home okay. with the girls um, and they're responsible for that culture of the home, the culture of love, culture of honor. Yeah. Um, but we also have an educational director who is over the educational component of the day. Okay. And um, we are in a, we will be an accredited school. So uh, our goal okay. is for ease of transfer for all of the credits um, for girls coming to our program and then going back if they're going back to their school. Um, I was really excited wow. about the program. What a huge undertaking. All of this stuff. I mean, when I, I so I had the privilege of yeah. coming to see this house. It's amazing, right? Oh my gosh. Can I say something Carissa, about that? Yeah. First, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I was blown away at the magnitude of it. And to see, you know, I think for me, the thing that struck me the most was here is this when I heard a little bit of your story and I saw this big mansion and I'm standing out 
in front of it. I remember standing on one of the balconies and I'm like, this is a physical representation of God's promise of abundance. Yeah. Abundance is not physical stuff, but this is a physical representation, manifestation of his promise to fulfill the vision that he gave to you. And I just, just blown away by that. Yeah. It, it, it really is amazing. I, and we want the girls to really feel like they're princesses, that they really are um, God's, God's girl. Yes. Yes. Um, So, and the the house really, and I do love that about the house. There, I'm so grateful for anybody out there who's trying to bring hope and and healing. A lot of the, you know, funds always can get in the way, and some places I visit are are small and cramped, and um, and yet, like I said, thankful for the work that they're doing. But I love that we have this abundance of space. And what what I love about that is I really believe God's word that (laughs) to me was that this house was built for this ministry. And I had a cool experience wow. with the, um, we started working with a, uh, oh, an architecture or a firm, not architecture firm, but a renovation. They would, were going to help us with the renovations okay. and um, they were going to get us an architect. Just so happened, haha, that while they were talking about <laughs> this, an architect walks through their building who does some work for them. He's retired now. And he says, wait, are you talking about the large mansion in Kaufman Station? And they said, yes. And he said, I want to be a part of that project. I'm the original architect. Wow. I've never seen in the wow. house and I want to be a part. And so, you know, and as an architect, you're the designer, you're kind of like, he took, yeah. certainly took this man's ideas, but he put them on paper for him. And, um, but you know, he's the kind of the ideas, the brains behind that. And so yeah. he's in, so then we talk, we're talking, we're out to lunch and we're talking, I'm telling some stories he is too. And he stops mid sentence and he goes, you know, this house really was built for you and for this Organ this thing you want wow. to do, and so to hear him say that, do you know what I'm saying? Like it was just that confirmation yeah. of the fact that w- what yeah. went into the building of this really had God's design and intention in mind. Nobody yeah. builds this house, the house like this one, for themselves. You know what I mean? To just live in, it's no. not typical. Of course, no. Not. <laughs> right? It's called conspicuous consumption. <laughs> yeah, no, um, absolutely not. So, yeah, I, I was so excited that I got to see it and just got to see kind of your heart. I mean, you're in it. You're mm-hmm. like in there with the sawdust and the paint and the you know designing and the filling. I love that part of the the room and one one of the rooms in the basement was filled with supplies that had been yes. donated to you guys for the girls that are going to be there. Um, so I'm just, I can't wait to come back and see it. I'm sure you've made so much progress since December when I looked at it. So you're shooting to open in the fall. Um, do you already have the eight slots filled? We do not. And we've been a little um, conservative on that. We've, we are fielding calls. Some people are, we haven't, um, mainly because we still need about another $120,000 to open our doors. Okay. I'd love to give praise so, though. The fact that we reach, we did reach our first, our first phase goal. Cause I couldn't mm-hmm. say a bigger number than this at the time. <laughs> at the time. Yeah. But we set our first phase goal at $400,000, which gave us the opportunity to purchase the property at a phenomenal deal and begin some renovations. But we really do need another 120 to be able to finish the renovations. We had to put in a sprinkler system um, and uh-huh. that hasn't been paid for yet. And, and um, we had to put in an HVAC system 
and uh, some handicap accessible bathrooms, things like that. So we still have, and I just, the last thing I wanted to do was to get girls enrolled. And then we're like, oh, we have to move the date. Oh, we have to move the date. So, So, okay. So right now you're fielding calls, but you're not officially accepting anyone until these renovations are complete. Well, correct? or at least we feel like we have have the time frame timeline with the funds cover where they're coming from. And like I said, we've I really we have our event coming up in March, um, and we really think. Tell us, yeah. yeah so the uh, the question is, Carissa, you have. You, Answer this for me because I know that you're raising money for the renovations. You raised money for the purchase of the property, which is phenomenal. You're raising money to furnish the property. One of the things that I loved seeing was at your, I guess at your last fundraiser, you had some some pictures there of like somebody could say, I want yes. to sponsor this rug in this right. room for you know, 300 bucks or mm-hmm. whatever, which I thought was just brilliant because then there's like a piece yes. of you there in this. Backpack. Exactly. Um, so beautiful, beautiful sponsorship, um, opportunities there, but how is, how is mon, so I know you're raising money for the, for the funding of the renovations, but how is Monarch's way, the actual facilitation of the school being funded? Is that you tell me, how's it being funded? So really through private donors and partnership, we're going to continue to work for, um, you know, building a scholarship program and some ongoing things that will, will make a big difference for us sustainability wise. Um, but in the beginning, it really, we really are relying and believing on partnership uh, with other individuals okay. who want to be a part of seeing this happen. Okay. So will the, will the girls have any responsibility, any financial responsibility, the girls that you're accepting. So we will have a a tuition set up, um, although it will be on a sliding scale because our heart really is to be sure that we don't turn anyone away because they can't afford the services. And we're really working to keep our services. And that's why we we don't have a really working to keep that as low as possible. My understanding is in, in my research is, you know, a boarding school, if you're looking at a, at a boarding school, can anywhere be from like $4,000, you know, to $11,000 a month kind of thing. And yeah. we really yeah. are working to keep it um, much less than that. Um, you know, okay. we don't have 250 acres we have to take care of. And we, because of where our program is located, we have all kinds of land around us that we can use. And we don't offer, have a, a question program, but we've offered, have all kinds of people offering to give, you know, to participate yeah. through equestrianship. So um, we, we really do feel like we'll be able to keep it low, but we don't want to turn anyone away uh, because they can't afford it. Do you recognize that homelessness among high school students is really a thing? And it's an increasing number. Um, how many kids are trying to go to school and they are homeless? Yeah. So we certainly yeah. um, want to be, make ourselves available. Yeah. So, um, a, c- a couple more things as we're, as we're closing out here. So if you're in the area, so this home that you have, that you have purchased, that is going to be the home for Mon- the official home for Monarch's yeah. way. It is visible. It is Very visible. extraordinarily <laughs> visible from, um, interstate 81 yes. running through Pennsylvania and if you're going northbound on I-81 through Pennsylvania at about, what, past Greencastle or before Greencastle? It's, it's between, if you're going north, it's between Greencastle and the Marion exit or, uh, yeah. yeah. It's on the left-hand side. Yes. 
So the next time you're on 81 and you're traveling northbound, look to your left between Greencastle and Marion, and you will see the physical representation of the promise that was given to Carissa. So that's super cool. So how do people reach out to you? How do they learn more? Uh, What's the process? People listening are going, man, this is so good for so many people I know. I want to connect. Or they're thinking, I want to contribute. I want to be a part of this cause in some way, maybe not financially, but in some way. How can they reach out to you? We have a website, monarchs-way.org. And um, so you go on to the website. You can read more about the story, our program, what all the different, the five different components of our program, um, how to connect with us there through, you know, sending an email. You can uh, donate there through DonorBox. You can also, when you log on, it'll also, there'll be a little box pop up that even gives you information to, for our fundraiser that's coming up in March. Um, Tell us about that. When it? When is it? Where yeah. is it? And uh, March, that's the best place for them to find out. Yeah, about March 28th um, okay. is our fundraiser. It's at Antrim Brethren in Christ Church in Chambersburg. Uh, just okay. a miracle even about that. Last year, we had um, over 433 people show up for a concept event. I mean, the caterer was like, can you guarantee wow. me 250 people? And I'm like, I have no idea. And then we had right. four, over 400. So like beautiful. Right. I know. Right. It was amazing. Wow. And I have to say that in that one night, again, a concept event, we didn't own a property yet. We had wow. $82,000 infused in our account. For a it, concept. It was it was beautiful because wow. and I love that it, it wasn't about one single church or a denomination. It was like from some yeah. of the most conservative people um, that I know to some of the most crazy, charismatic, you know, joy filled, you know, all this. In, and it was everybody yeah. in between. And it was it was just felt there were no there were no like religious barriers. Does that make sense? It just was right. like, it, right. and I and I, I say this for myself, but so many people said that to me that it, there was a this. There was something unique in the atmosphere and the vibe of the room. And I believe it was kingdom. I believe it was unity. And yeah. I ended that family, yeah, that exactly. unity, yep. and people feeling like they uh, were designed to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We just are. Yes. We really yes. are. Yes, we are. That's lovely. Okay. So um, how much is it to attend the event? It's March 28th. What time? $30 to attend. And uh, the events, actually the doors will open at four, but uh, 5.30 appetizers. Um, but we're having, because we have a silent auction and the silent auction was so well received last time. Right. That's why we're opening the doors early. People can get in, uh, get their bidder numbers, things like that. We had great items. And if people want to, you know, donate items, we're open to that too. Uh, right. But it was a wonderful, just a fun event. There was lots of different ways to give and to get involved, whether you did it through the silent auction or the room naming. We, we've we taken every room in the house and it has a pr- kind of a price tag on it, but you can honor that room for somebody. Like my family went together. My great, my grandmother, Betty, who's now in the great cloud of witnesses, um, was my first partner many years ago. And so I sent a message out to my uh, aunts and uncles and my cousins. And I was like, hey, how would you feel about coming together as a family and honoring a room for Grandma Betty? And they, you know, all got on board. And so we will have a room in the house in her honor. And and other people can do that for their uh, family members or people that have been lost along the way in the journey or, or however that may reckon, you know, 
you know, resonate with them, but there's a place to kind of put a, a name with a room. I, I love that. And the same way with different, as you mentioned, different things that we're needing in the home, you can purchase for that as well. So there are lots of ways to give. I just wanted to hit the way that people give lots of opportunity that resonates. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that with us, Carissa. Um, man, you've hit on so many beautiful things and I am going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you to give the women listening as we close out today, give the women listening one truth that if they remember nothing else from this conversation, that they will remember this for all time to come. What would that be? Wow. Um, you know, that God will always be a part of your story. You know, that it, there's nothing that really can separate us from the love of God. And That's right. no matter how far you feel like you've fallen, um, it's never too far from his reach. And he, it's not that he can just pick you up and like dust you off, but he can actually put you on a mountaintop and cause you yeah. to have impact and to make a yeah. difference in the world. So you always you just link up with him and um, it's a beautiful story. That was some great stuff right there, my friends, wasn't it? Hey, listen, I just want to reiterate a couple of things that Carissa talked about. One, the second annual Monarch's Way Give Her Wings annual fundraising dinner and silent auction is going to be held in the Cumberland Valley, Pennsylvania. If this is in your backyard, I encourage you to attend Saturday, March 28th from 530 to 930 p.m. And we are including a link to that registration in the show notes. Also, I wanted to just share with you uh, a little letter that I found on Monarch's Way website. It's a letter to the girls who are potentially applying. And I'm just going to read a couple of snippets for you so that you can see the heart even more clearly of Monarch's Way and Carissa Martin, its founder. Are you scared someone will find out your secrets? Do you hide scars, fresh or old, internal or external, on your body behind long sleeves and baggy clothes? Do you fall asleep to the sound of your own tears? Do you live in fear, live behind a locked door, barricaded by furniture? Are laughter, makeup, a bold lifestyle, and physical intimacy a coping mechanism? Is food your constant friend and biggest nemesis? Do you weigh yourself before and after you eat? Do you think about how much better life would be without you in it? Has your family become your adversary? Have your friends betrayed you? Your allies become your enemies? Are you ashamed of your thoughts and your actions, but have no way of climbing out of the vicious cycle? While all the pain you have endured is undeserving, you definitely do deserve love, peace, and joy. And at Monarch's Way, it's yours. We are here for you ready to support you through all of life's darkest moments so you can experience the light of the world, embrace healing, and find your wings. Thanks for tuning in, my friends. We'll meet you right back here next Sunday, every Sunday with another episode where we are speaking truth over the lies so that we can thrive in any and every circumstance. Bye, y'all.